This is Archery Unfiltered, where I, Wendell Souza, cover California archery events and what it takes to make you a better archer. What's up, gang? Man, it's been a while. It's definitely been a while. It's two weeks now. Break the barriers. I think it was the last time I cut a podcast. Um, I hope everyone's doing good. As always, you guys know what weekend it is. It is the weekend before Reading. It's like, uh, I feel like it's the Monday before Christmas, <laughs> even though it's actually Sunday. Um, pretty cool. I hope everyone's excited. I, I've been practicing my ass off, I'm going to say. Uh, you know, break the barriers. I shot, I'm going to say I shot decently with my buddy Alan, but seeing my my buddy Alan shoot so well, it was I. It definitely put me in gear to be like, okay, come on, just get, just get some something together here. Um, and so I'm just gonna take you guys through my little training plan. I know it's late to tell you what the training plan is for Reading, right? I, essentially, this this podcast should have come out like three months ago or two months ago, two months ago to be fair. All right, but I do have a good Reading prep podcast on here. Um, and I think the last one I cut like the week after Reading. So you had all <laughs> all year to forget about it. But I got so what I want to talk about my my training program today is something that kind of or not honestly training program. The way I prepared that I'm going to share for you guys is something that can be used in addition to last the you know the first podcast I ever did. And the first podcast I ever did was not about like how to win Reading. It's how to break a 1500 in Reading. And a lot of my friends, um, a lot of you, a lot of you guys out there, new competitors, are trying to break fifteen hundred as your first goal. And then you know, of course, the goal every year goes up a little bit. You go fifteen ten, fifteen twenty, and then you're battling for fifteen thirty. I think the best I ever did in running was like a high fifteen twenty, uh, like a fifteen twenty something. I'm gonna say twenty six, um, but I can't remember. It's been too long. It's been too long now. And every reading after, uh, see, I thought it was like a fifteen twenty four actually, but every reading after, I've done like a little, either a little less or substantially less. Um, and this year, I want I want something different, right? I want to, you know, at least tie my my best that I've had in the past, which was you know somewhere in the fifteen twenties. To me, that's difficult. That's difficult. But you know what? When you really break it down. And you and you look at last year's performance. Maybe it's the same for you guys. I, I'm assuming that you guys have all shot um, Reading before, right? You look at last year's performance and look at where your holes are, right? Where's the holes in your game? Um, what did you not take serious, you know? And then it's just a matter of filling those holes. Like it, it, it kind of sounds kind of weird, but saying it's a boat, saying you're in a boat, right? The boat of success. All the things that made you miss last year, those are just holes in the boat. And so how do you go through and just plug those holes? It's a really straightforward thing, you know, as far as fix last year's mistakes. But I guess for some people, it takes all year long, right, to get back to writing. And at that point, you kind of fall into the same habit of practice as you did last year. So I try to make that not the point this year. Um you know, I think uh, 
I think a lot of us could have spent more time prepping for writing. But with that being said, I don't feel underprepared at all. I feel super ready. And I think all you guys that are shooting the Outlaw series in California, you guys are ready. You know? Um, I'm excited to see dudes like, uh, you know, come from all over. I'm excited to see what Broadwater does and what Chris Perkins does. Like, <laughs> I want to see how those guys have been practicing, you know? So, we're going to get into the practice list today. Um, I've gotten a couple of listener questions regarding group tuning and arrow building. And while I've covered those things in the past, I'll touch on them again. Um, so, we'll start with arrow building, right? And what I prefer as an arrow build for the outdoors. Um I can tell you guys that the setups that have always worked really well for me, okay? One is to go, you know, if you're using Archer's Advantage, go optimal on your spine, right? So you just, you know, get it ballpark. It's not it's not crucial. You don't want to be underspined, you know? But I have shot arrows that were spined slightly weak that shot really, really well. Um but we're going to say as a rule of thumb, right? Like you can experiment with that when you got nothing, when you got nothing to practice for. Okay. In the meantime, I think a, a good rule of thumb is to go optimal is slightly stiff. Um, I've heard of, you know, some guys going super stiff because the compound bow, the modern compound target bow, you can just tune to shoot a straight bullet hole. <laughs> and, so, and then it really doesn't matter after that. So, I've heard of that. Um, I think for the most part, people shoot a spine that's you know within their range. Uh, I've always shot five hundredths because of my really short draw length. Um, I, mean, I probably could go. I probably could go a different spine even on top of that. But I try to make up for it by shooting sixty pounds. Just <laughs> most people are gonna be like, dude, I shoot sixty five. <laughs> Some of you guys shoot crazy poundages for target. But I shoot 60 pounds, so I'm shooting a 500 spine arrow. Now, there's only so many ways you can you can bake a, a loaf of bread, right? It's the same with an arrow. You're going to leave it too long, right? And by too long, works for some, you know, if you're going to leave it super long, let me say like a couple inches out past the front of your riser, I'm going to say that's dumb. And only for the reason being that you're having like extra weight on your arrow now. I've heard really good shooters tell me to cut their arrow to the front of their riser, right? That seems like a pretty good. Those guys always shoot good. Um, but what's gone, like what's worked best for me, has been the Tim Gillingham approach, which is cut it to I think he says a half inch or three quarters of an inch in front of your blade. And uh, I shot my best scores with that. I shot, um, when I did good at Field Nationals years ago, I think I had an arrow that was like an inch and a half in front of the blade. So it was kind of like an in-between, the riser and the front of the blade um, arrow cut. As far as I can tell right now, the short ones are, are the best. And the reason Tim Gillingham gives for having a short arrow on it, on the blade, I'm not sure if he's talking about field arrows or not but you guys should check it out before i go pair you know talking about what tim's program was 
probably incorrectly. You should go check him out on YouTube. Tim Gillingham has a whole series of videos about how to build the perfect arrow. And of course, it starts with spinning every arrow and all that. I, I don't spin them, right? But I do other things that are a, an equal amount of a, you know, what I would consider a waste of time for spinning it. Um, but what Tim was saying in one of his videos is when you have an arrow that's cut right to the blade, when you torque the bow left or right, the arrow moves less of an angle. Like it's affected less by the the pivot in your hand. Now I would think if you have that rest torque tuned, that would not matter, right? It would just everything would pivot and that arrow would be right at that perfect pivot point. Um so let's see. I cut it to the blade or a half inch in front of the blade. Gets you the short, you know, kind of like the shortest you can get and still have open room for torque tuning with your rest. Um, <clears throat> I'm currently shooting 130 grain point, And I have no good reason for that, guys. <laughs> I'll tell you how I came up with it, though, right? I think it was two years ago I shot 100 grain point on a Matthews because my Matthews was shooting really slow, you know, because I shoot baby arm pounded you know baby poundages or baby uh draw lengths and not that much poundage uh this year i am though this year i'm doing 60 so i built arrows that were 100 grain points and i think it was mark rubio who said that he had shot them like that also um 100 grain point small vein in the back you know aae max or an ffp um and I do feel like those arrows were super fast, out of the bow super fast. And I could not tell if they were any different than my 120s. But in the back of my mind, for some reason, I felt like I had less control of the arrow. And, you know, my scores are probably the same between 100 and 120s. But for some reason, something didn't feel right. And I put uh, 120s back on. And then just... Just for, you know, shits and giggles, my coach used to run 140s. So I was like, I'll go one. Th I'll meet you halfway. I'll go 130s. That's a little higher, you know, higher of a point weight than I feel like I should be running. I think I should be running a 120 green point. But I feel like with the, you know, what do you get when you think of it? Higher point weight. Resistance to the wind, right? Less uh, with 10 extra grains. Do you get that? I don't know. Maybe. I've heard that resistance to the wind based on arrow weight is negated by um, the speed of the arrow now being in the wind longer. So what do you think about that? <laughs> Heavier arrow, does it really resist the wind better? I mean, ex the good people at Easton would have you believe yes, but they also have the slimmest arrow. So the surface area is much smaller on that arrow. I like shooting Pierce tours uh, because <laughs> I got I got the uh, the hard to get gold tip contract <laughs> and I get these for freezies. So <laughs> I like the Pierce tour. It's a one six six. It's no different. Like let's be honest, this is no different than a VAP than a one six six VAP, right? If you strip the labels off of a one six six, or I guess I shouldn't call it a one six six VAP. I should just call it a VAP. If you strip the labels off of a VAP. You could tell people those are gold tip arrows. <laughs> and I don't think anyone would notice. I know the components are interchangeable as well. So I like the all-carbon arrow because 
they just last you longer than X10s or Pro Comps. I've shot X10s in the past. They're fucking amazing, you know. But I don't think they're anything I don't think they're anything that a Pierce Tour isn't. Aside from a carbon core and, you know, tons of engineering money thrown at it. So, you know, there's plenty of options out there for you guys if you want a slim arrow. Black Eagle has that, like, uh, what, the, the Revelation arrow. Um, or is it? Yeah, yeah, Revelation. And then uh, Carbon Express does the Nano. If Is Carbon Extra- Express still around? Let me double check. Let me fact check that real quick. I want to say, I want to say you can't get Nano Pros anymore. I could be way wrong though. I, I don't know why I think that. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But Nano Pro is also a slim arrow, all carbon. I feel like with the all carbon arrow, it takes a beating, doesn't get bent out of shape super easy. Um, and it, you know, the all carbon arrow, something about having that arrow get fucked up, you think about it way less with an all carbon arrow. So, anywho, let's get on. Let's get on, let's get on with it. Aside from point weight, what's the only other thing? You got your knock choice, knock style, and your vein. This year I'm using the Q2i, the 2-inch, the the big one, like the, the practically a blazer vein. Um, and again, that's just because that was the last vein that my coach shot. And I thought, why not? Why not build something in his, on, in his honor, even though he's a quitter? <laughs> so I'm trying the, the big two... Q2, Q2i and pin knock going to a, a bonding uh, I'm sorry not a, oh, god damn I'm stoned going to a biter knock alright I really like the biter knocks and it seems like biter knocks have almost become standard at these you know when I go out and shoot a hell of people are shooting biter knocks now um, these in bonding I see a lot of bonding knocks out there G knocks are kind of rare now <laughs> it's kind of funny um but that course, that's just from the couple events that I shot. I shouldn't be making huge uh, judgments based on that. But yeah, I like the biter knock. Uh, I feel like at this point, it's not much more expensive than any other set of knocks. Um, they're tough. They can take a beating. Usually, if you get a direct hit, your pin is still okay. And you know, you should spin that arrow before you shoot it again. You should just cap it with a new knock and shoot it. But you know. If you're, if you don't give a fuck, <laughs> roll with it. Um, you guys should know that generally, what champions for field archery and for for redding, they shoot a small, small vein. I think the AAE shield cut vein, the AAE Max shield cut vein. I think it's got 2.0. I think that particular vein has one redding a whole crap load of times, and I would put money on it that the other vein that one reading was a 187 like a um, ffp 187 so i'm running a bigger vein you know i don't have any illusions of winning but i do have goals of beating uh my former self so that's the arrow build guys um you don't have to overthink it right especially with these bows today i know i have i know i have episodes overthinking arrow builds so the moment you're catching me in (laughs) this is what i'm saying don't overthink it just make sure that arrow is optimal or slightly stiff and 
just so you know, when you punch your sight marks in, that is then when it, it, it will tell you what the spine reaction is. If you just build it like willy nilly, um, that's one thing, you know, going off of Archer's advantage. But when you punch your, your sight numbers in, that will figure out how fast shit is. And I feel like that's how you would fine tune that arrow for spine, right? You would start it with like 27 inches and then you would, you know, build it in Archer's advantage, you'd shoot it. And that would say, you know, after you got those sight marks, it would say, if it says something like slightly weak, you'd cut, you know, cut the front of the arrow and make it, you know, stiffer, closer to optimal. So that's if you really wanted to get down to it. You're putting a lot of trust in Archer's advantage, you know, so take that with a grain of salt. I, I like it for sight tape. It's awesome. Um, all right. So let's see, I rambled about that. Let's get into the Reading study list. All right. Um, you know, before that, let's talk about uh, the Fresno Safari. I wasn't there, guys, but I know a lot of y'all was there. Um, and I was getting a lot of, like, updates on this event. I freaking love the Fresno Safari. It's where I met Aaron Hall, who's, like, you know, one of the baddest-ass shooters for, you know, a guy that shoots a Hoyt. He's always killing it. Um He's got a badass story about killing a shark, too. You guys got to get that story from him. Um, <clears throat> anyway, what's cool about Fresno Safari? Brings out a lot of big guns, all right? And I'll tell you, two of the big guns that came out were uh, Taylor Spoolstra and Blake Jerome. And that's the two guys. You had that place first and second in the individual section of the Outlaws. Um, followed up by Randall Kilpack and Caleb Cuiocho. Caleb Cuiocho fourth place in the adult I mean this is open division play here pretty much I think it's I think it's even gender open <laughs> doesn't even matter so this is the wild west damn it um Caleb shot a 13 13 incredible shooting sir by my count that is a zero handicap I think he, you know you're probably already zero or at least a one or something close but god damn Caleb there you have it Caleb Quiocho, as far as I'm concerned, is pro level. Easily pro level. Um, let's see, Heather Gore in fifth. Fucking cool. Heather's coming out swinging for Safari with a 13-12. She's tied. Oh, she must have beat them in a shoot-off. Or at least the Kaylee Geisebuehler tied her. Right below is Isabel Geisebuehler. And then our very own Mark Rubio coming in eighth place with a 13-11. Alex Mueller. Mueller. In ninth, good job, Alex. And then Brian Webb in tenth. All these people are great. <clears throat> Most of them have been on this show. <laughs> so if you want to hear from all these people that that kicked ass in Fresno, you know I'm sure you can type it into whatever podcast search bar. But there will be an episode with them. <laughs> I'm still trying to get Taylor Spoolstra. Damn, it's cool to see Taylor Spoolstra coming out shooting like this, huh? I can't wait to ask about his his practice routine. And really, it's on me, guys. He told me he would do the episode. I just got to find a way to, you know, to not, you know, fuck with practice and stuff and, and get in there. Um, so I'm hoping to get him on after Reading. Um, I'm going to send him a message. I'll give you guys a heads up. But goddamn, Spoolster's coming out. Guns a-blazing. He shot a 13-18. 
Blake Jerome shot a 1317. So check that out. You guys know how solid Blake Jerome is as a shooter. And I think he just did a Reading uh, online prep class. So <clears throat> that was, that's always cool. He's he's out to help people out. Um, man, Spolster's next level right now, huh, guys? Is it that Botech? Is it that dirty-ass-looking Botech fucking Spoolstra got? Oh, man. I know um, another good friend of mine, Elliot Lee, shot really good. Shot a personal best in Fresno this weekend. He's got that Botech. I don't know. I don't know. I got to tell you guys, yeah, no one out there is repping elites, huh? I think Brian Webb might be, so that's good. Um, Randall Kilpack, I also want to get on the show. And he's totally said he will. Um, it is literally just on me, so you guys forgive me. Randall Kilpack shot at 13-13, coming in third. This is awesome because I know Randall has struggled earlier this year. I mean, he struggled to the point where, you know, I've heard he was quite frustrated at times, like <laughs> getting ready to throw his gear. Um, but you know what? He is picking it up, and you can see it right now. So that's another one. I'll have to get him on the show and we'll, we'll figure it out. But I would bet you money Randall's looking at his shot. He's looking at his mistakes. And he's just going through and tying them up, filling them. So pretty goddamn cool, guys, I must say. Um, for the team event, first place team <laughs> goes to Brian Webb and Roly Gibson. And I am <laughs> stoked for those guys Brian Webb you guys know him he's down in impact archery he's the guy that makes the carbon craft bar holy shit and uh, he's very shooter oriented he's all about helping people get, become better shooters Brian Webb and Roy Gibson Roy Gibson is this dude who is like I'm going to say 6 feet tall and he's all like trap and shoulder right he's, all tra- he's one of those guys that's trap and shoulder and then like regular person middle middle and legs <laughs> he's fucking buff um he's got a wicked beard too Rolly's up there so i would i would love to uh get Rolly's story for you guys because he's a guy that struggles with nerves you know um but shit this weekend he must be he must be figuring this shit out um i got funny stories for you guys about Rolly and indoor and uh making my my teammates scared <laughs> Pietro Fabiano, Brian Chu, second place. We know those guys. Robert Tahey, Aaron Hughes in third. Elliot Lee, Blair Erickson in fourth. Taylor Spoolstra, Stephen Lawton in fifth. Uh, won't go any further. The names after are names you guys all know. But damn, that's the uh, third leg of the Outlaws, people. All right, Fourth leg is going to be the June shoot at the Nevada City Club. Um, I haven't told my wife about that one yet. But I hope if I do good in Reading, she'll let me do that one too. So we'll see. I'm shooting for my freedom uh, coming up this week. All right. Bam. So that was the Fresno Safari. Uh, Congratulations, everyone. You guys all shot amazing. It's amazing to see the names out there. And, uh, like, one of the names I had seen was Alex Mueller. And um, I get a lot of respect. I think... Everyone does. You know who's like a serious fucking person in the sport is someone who doesn't quit. And uh, Alex Mueller's one of those guys where I saw him, 
you know, chasing buckles and stuff like, uh, let's say four years ago. And he's still doing it. He's not slowing down in the slightest. And when I see people like that, I just, I get more and more respect for them because you know those people are in it for the love of the game, you know, or they're in it for the love of the process. They're, they like the journey, you know. And then it's like all the great things that the sport brings, you know, bring it on. So it's cool seeing uh, an OG like Alex uh, kicking names and taking ass up there. I mean, <laughs> doing good. All right, guys, <clears throat> time for the breading study list, okay? So my breading training plan started a few weeks ago. And the first thing I did was I marked out, okay, how many times can I actually practice? Can I squeeze a practice in? And it was every morning and um, a couple days I got to practice after work because um, the wife was taking the kid to some kind of event. So with the exception of Sundays, I take Sundays off, spend it with the family no matter what. So the first thing I did was like day one. Oh, I'm sorry. First thing you do is figure out how many days you can practice, right? You're going to map them all out. So let's just say, for example, I'm going to say uh, I should have 16 practice days that I'll get. Well, I want to use all 16 of those days and not waste any of them doing anything stupid, right? So day one, sight marks. Um, I started with getting like a 20 and 50. And what I found out worked really good was a 25 and 50. I've done, you know, I shot marks for 20 and 80, 20 and 60. For whatever reason... 25 and um, 50 is getting me really good. Um, it's interesting because the 50 is usually a really small dot, you know, for the distance relative to some of the other distances. And um, 25 is kind of like a bigger dot for, you know, close up. Something was going on, though. I normally sight in on a 20-yard um, 20 birdie because it gives you a solid you know, I'll give you a solid number, but all I did was I shot it in for 25, verified at the birdie on 20. So, verifying is important. Alright guys, like, we're going to get into some stuff about how your sight marks, you start with getting your sight marks, and then every time you step on the field and you practice, you're making those marks better, and you're refining them. And uh, I'll get into more of that in a little bit. Alright, but the sight marks I got, 20 to 50, got 14, 13, 11, 9, 8, 4, and 3. There will be a 3-yard target in Reading. There will be a 4. There will also be a bunch of short, short ones. Guys, at that distance, right, you are not floating outside the dot, okay? Like, you're going to hold in the dot. You can, like, those are practically gimmies right there. So, <clears throat> just do your homework, alright? Know those marks. Have a buddy with a block target in Reading. And when you get up there, verify those marks. 14, 13, 11, 9, 8, 4, 3. You can do it in a backyard. Don't send one over the fence. Don't do something stupid. But, you know, point point your bow at the fucking house if you have to do this. But get those marks. All right? Those are homeworks. Those are give-me's. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. 7 times 22 is like 146 points right there. Just just sitting on it. 154 points maybe, right? Um, don't give up 154 points because you didn't know that you had to shoot these short ones. All right? I'm telling you now, it's on the website. <laughs> Get those short marks and, and uh, 
Don't sleep on that stuff. Shoot those in also. Everything under 14, shoot in. Um, if, you're, if your sight tape program works, great, great. But verify. Verify every distance and make sure it's good. Um, I got my marks at 50 to 80 and then my marks at 80 to 100. Pretty much my 2050 is hitting everything except for 101. So I punched in a correction mark for 101. Everything else is hitting. Double checked 88. So that's day one practice right there. Okay. All you're doing is shooting distances. You're not doing a course or anything like that. You're just getting numbers. Day two, long distance practice day and marks. So yardage to practice. I, I picked four yardages that I would consider long. And... Um, I picked 77, 64, 101, and 88. Those are all distances that you have to shoot at this event, right? Um, 88 and 101, you only have to shoot once. 77 and 64, probably you're not going to have to do so many times. But I spent all day, right? So probably about, by all day, I mean like two and a half hours easily. Um, just shooting those four distances. And what that does is it helps you verify if you shoot um say you shoot 40 arrows at 77 yards you're going to know inside of 44 arrows if your sight mark is on or off um same with all the other distances 101 took a little longer um but i'll get into why in a little bit uh day three middle distance practice day and marks that's 50 yards 63 45 39 again trying to throw you know something from 30 to 40 arrows at each distance um <clears throat> again the whole time you're verifying sight marks maybe trying some of these distances at like upward angles if your you know home field allows for it day four closest range practice so i didn't actually do this one right it's three four eight nine eleven thirteen fourteen it's those short marks what I did was I tacked them on to the next day's practice. I tacked them on to the end and just shot a couple to verify. Okay, I don't think you need to spend all day slamming these um, close range things. If you want to, go for it. But uh, you know, if you only have you know what was it, 16 days, you got to make them all count, right? <clears throat> day five is comfort distances. That's 16, 19, 25, 37. Those are all close, you know, relatively close range. Um, distances and i tacked those those short ones on so technically i should say day four here um but I, afterwards i verified shooting those short ones <clears throat> don't have to spend too much time on the comfort distances you just want to do it to verify your marks um make sure you're not you know make sure you're not getting all jumpy or getting all yippy on the the close ones okay um the next one i guess would be day five going back to long range now you can pick the same four I mean, this is just how I would do it. You can do it any, you know, any way you want. Uh, you can pick the same four distances, or you can come up with new ones. But I'm going to stick to 101, 88, 77, and 64, just because I know those are like the longest. Um, if you're going to be uncomfortable, you might as well get get used to it. Um, day six, middle distances. All right, and let's see. Do I have to read those to you guys? Middle distances, 50, 63, 45, 39. Same thing. We're repeating now, okay? After day six, you shoot with a friend or shoot with against somebody. Um, my buddy Jim was happy enough to come over, or I was lucky enough to have Jim come over. And 
we challenged each other, right? We're shooting a 924 round. So that's, um, let me see, 48 targets. 48 targets going to shoot two arrows at. Um, generally on safari rounds, the orange dot is equal to that distance on a field face or something close to it on a field target. Sometimes there's gimmies and they'll be a little bigger, you know. Maybe sometimes there's a smaller dot. I think at the on the practice day, you know, the the blind draw, I think target one's always like a tiny dot to scare the piss out of everybody. So, <laughs> you know, anyway, um, have a buddy over and or go somewhere, go to a friend and shoot a full round. It could be a field round. We were doing the... Uh, the 924 scoring because I wanted to see what kind of handicap I would shoot, and because you know lately I've been shooting like a nine, nine ten ish score. I don't know, it might be less than that. Um, so we're gonna shoot for score 924 round. It's gonna take a couple hours. It's gonna be a lot of arrows. Um, what is so great about this is you get two shots. You can't go back, right? Let's see where you fuck up along the way, right? And for me, what I found was <clears throat> my my long-range stuff was good. I'm going to say like 50 to 80 was good. But 20, like 15 to 20 was tall. And I couldn't, or 25 even was tall. Um, And then a little bit above that, you know, right up to basically right up to 50 everything would hit in but would hit tall so i was hitting like 12 o'clock in you know tween or minus all day every target that that happened on i wrote in my notepad this distance tall all right and if i had enough time to you know if i if i knew the first shot was going to be tall and i uncl you know i'll click a couple and i'll write um you know what you know tall but shot it for this mark seems good so i actually wrote this in my notes um at the end of the day it's where i had noticed the pattern was it's all the short stuff something's wrong with all the short marks right long marks still pretty good but we got to shoot those and verify um so what i ended up doing was the next day I looked over all my you know all my site marks or all my notes basically which ones were considered tall and the first thing i did was i went to 20 yards um shot the birdie face to see if it was still on was not on for some reason but the thing is I've, I've been getting my marks on the the birdie for so long that i was just like you know what i don't trust this system <laughs> at the moment so i went to 25 shot a mark in and then went back to 20 to verify it's in on the birdie target 20 yards and then started shooting all these distances so i went to 25 that was tall um but that's what I just cited in for. Bam. Still, it's good. You know? Um, what else did I go to? 11. You know, I shot 11 yards just to be sure. But then I started shooting 32, uh, 35, 50. Shooting these up and down hills and stuff. And seeing if that's throwing anything off. Nope. Um, it seemed like the 25-yard mark sight in fixed these problems. But basically... Yeah, I took a stab at guessing what would fix these, but I went to those problem distances again and shot them. All right? And then, you know, are they still tall? Am I still making, you know, is this mistake still happening? All of it had cleared up inside of fixing that that one sight mark, the close sight mark. So, 
I just want you guys to know that's the process I'm going through. And I would I would put money on it that guys like Blake Jerome, if they ever do miss, they write it down somewhere and they, they try to analyze, well, why did I miss that one? What do I need to do on the next one? You know? I In fact, I put money on it because Blake's the guy that does not like to fucking lose. So for sure he's going to take that step to patch these holes. Maybe not for Fresno because, you know, I don't think it carries as much weight to him as, like, Redding would. But who knows? So that is my Redding prep list, okay, guys? That's my <laughs> that's my little training program that I've been doing. Um, short marks is a big one. Um, and then, you know, like I said, if you have 16 days, you're going to be on repeat for a lot of these. And so repeat the ones you're not comfortable with. For me, this... You know, for this uh, training training time, it seemed like 70 yards was the distance that got me. 80, not so much for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because I just don't see the spot as much or what. But 70 yards, <clears throat> for some reason, I had less success hitting that than 80. 80, 88, 101. Fell in line pretty, pretty good. Um, so I'm excited. I feel like I'm fully prepared. I got all my marks. Everything is shot in. I got everything on one site tape, luckily. I was going to try the, you know, Paige talked about having like three site tapes for different distances and stuff. I got it all in on one, and it feels good. So the bow's feeling great. I think you guys know, like, since Break the Barriers, I've been tweaking things here and there to, uh, you know, get everything um, feeling good. I think the bow's feeling great. So I'm excited for writing. If you guys have any cool, like, um, writing preps or practices that you like to do, let me know, and I'll share it on the next episode. We'll talk about it on the drive up. Um, it's pretty cool. I'm going to have Jim Padilla with me on the drive up, so we'll get to interview a buddy. Me and Jim generally like to banter. Um, he'll probably insult me a few times. It'll be funny. It's good. I don't mind. Um, yeah, and then I'm going to try to get down and, and get on these guys. <laughs> I say stuff that sounds so... <laughs> I've been telling a lot of gay jokes to my friends lately where I am the perpetrator, <laughs> right? And I think a lot of my friends are getting waked out. I mean, get on to interviewing these guys, all right? Um, yeah, so there you have it. I, I think the biggest thing for my writing practice was shooting against somebody because I'm shooting the full round against somebody because you get all the distances, Right? And you get two shots. You you can't fix it there. You just have to make a note about it and know you fucked it up. And then go back and then be like, why is this fucked up? You know what I mean? You ha- you have to go through it. And that's what that's what that practice is good for. Um, some people are like, well, you know, what if uh, what if I'm just not nervous around my friends? You know, there's there's no stakes, so I just can't get nervous. Dude, play for a blowjob. All right, there you go. You don't want to be the one giving it, right? So, <laughs> so go for that, all right? The perfect, perfect stakes for the game. <clears throat> so, that's that, guys. Ratings here. I've uh, I've been waiting for this a while. I'm super excited to see you guys out there. You know, if you got a hat on, if you got an archery unfiltered hat or shirt, come see me, man. Let's get some pictures taken. Let's let's put you up on the, the Archer and Filtered uh, social media. I always appreciate it when you guys 
kick ass out there. And it's always cool seeing you guys fucking kick ass, get podiums and shit, and have the hat on, dude. That reminds me. I think I owe Elliot Peters a joint for the pro staff contingency. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope you guys are liking the show. I'm going to keep it going. We'll get more guys on, as always. Uh, talk to you guys on the way up to Reading, all right? Peace out. Hey, are you tired of door dashing? Are you sick of uh, <laughs> groveling to your boss for a raise? Start a side hustle. What's a legit side hustle? Uh, either teching bows or uh, building strings. And I had this idea to build strings instead of door dashing, but it's way too hard. It's truly a, a craft that takes a skilled, uh, skilled dude that is better than I. <laughs> if you were so inclined to get into the art of string building, though, my man, Butch Baker, makes string jigs. And if you, you know, say you're like me and too scared to make your own strings, you don't want to blow up and take lose your eyeball, uh, there are string, uh, shop vices uh, that Butch makes that are fucking dope. Uh, his vices you can use for anything from leveling your third axis to leveling your rifle. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, Baker Archery Products, uh, they're, you know, Owned and operated by Butch Baker in Idaho. He's fucking cool. One of the nicest dudes I've ever met. And uh, all his stuff is American made. He does not do what my company does and outsource shit to China. (laughs) Dude makes shit at home. So support an American. Support a patriot and support a small business. Check out BakerArcheryProducts.com and uh, get yourself something good. All right? Guys, this show is brought to you by Carbon Craft Stabilizers. My man Brian Webb out at Impact Archery Clovis makes the Carbon Craft Stabilizer. It is the best bar, hands down. Uh, People ask, why is it the best bar, hands down? Well, uh, let's see. Is it stiffer? Yes. Is it lighter? Yes. Is it damper? Yes. Than any of those other bars you've tried. The best bar that I've heard about to compete with the Carbon Craft bar right now is the new XL bar. And the only thing I can hear, the only thing I hear about the new XL bar is it's as good as a Carbon Craft bar. <laughs> no joke. Uh, don't shoot the messenger. That's just what I've heard. So if you guys are interested, check them out. Carbon Craft bars, I'm pretty sure they will beat XL bars uh, price point wise. Uh, if you guys are interested, give Brian Webb a call down at Impact Archery and Clovis, or you can place an art order with my man Rudy Sandoval or Austin Watts at West Coast Archery in Petaluma. Finally, the show is brought to you by my friends Darren and Bet out in Napa, California. They are the owners and operators of DB Custom Coatings, the Sarah Coders out of Napa. Um... My friends Darren and Bet, they Cerakote bows. They can make your old shitty bow look freaking new and awesome. They can make your boring stock colors look rare and special. Uh, Darren does an amazing job Cerakoting. He does anything from solid colors to American flags to fades to anything. I've seen him do a galaxy on a PSE before. It was nuts. Um, he does Casey Coffold's bow. All right, check that out. 
Casey Caulfield on the side of the Lancaster truck. She's shooting the bow that Darren Saracoded. What does that tell you? Darren ain't no slouch. The dude is good enough for the Caulfield family. So, uh, yeah, Darren's the shit. He's a super cool guy. He does releases too. You know, don't don't just think that he doesn't uh, do other things. I know he's done inserts or outserts. I think for hunting arrows for Chris Schaff. Uh, all kinds of stuff. So if you guys are interested, hit them up. DB Custom Coatings on Instagram. Uh, you know, if you're a gun nut, if you can disassemble your your rifle, Darren can Cerakote that shit pink for you. You know, um, check them out. DB Custom Coatings on Instagram. Those guys are my friends. They are the one of the longtime oldest and biggest supporters of the show. So show them some love. All right. All right, everyone. Good night. Peace.